All right, you ready? Crank it up, buddy. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good Friday, everybody. Let's just leave it at that. How are you doing, Pep? I see you got your Blue Jay gear on. Playoffs, baby. Who thunk it? We Playoffs. did. Although I did, uh, I think not that long ago, I texted Curtis maybe or you, and I was just like, the Jays, there's no way. They're not making the playoffs. They can't. They've been playing so horribly in the last little while that uh, I thought there was not a chance that they would make the playoffs. But uh, when they had that set, that six-game losing streak where they were getting uh, hummeled by like 10 runs, I thought, uh-oh. But then, you know, I, I had realized that the teams behind them were so far behind that even even if they went 500 the rest of the way, they were going to have a, a good shot. But um, I have um, I changed my mind. On the opening credits, I'd rather be the kid in behind you and the play and, and the kid with the helmet. That makes it a little bit easier kid- from a, a Photoshop standpoint and for... <laughs> For those who aren't aware, Pep and I recorded yesterday, uh, had some technical difficulties, a new one. It just stopped. The roadcaster stopped working into the actual mic. I don't know if it was taking too much power. Anyway, yada, yada. We also dragged on a little bit from an episode standpoint, but Pep wanted to be Photoshopped into that picture as being the kid that I was coaching. So now he's changed his mind. He wants to be the kid in the back. <laughs> That's right. Uh, there's a lot of things that we'll, we'll talk about today that I'll say, well, actually, now... Like, you know, yesterday we were talking about the Lakers um, Nuggets series. And I said, whoever wins game four is going to win the series. And the Lakers won game four. Um, Anyway. Now, with that said, the Nuggets have come back from a 3-1 deficit in two consecutive rounds. So the Nuggets have the Lakers sort of right where they want them. But uh, I I don't, I mean, this isn't, uh, this isn't Utah, you know, and this isn't Portland. And this, this is, these are the Lakers. This is LeBron James. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, again, the magic runs out at some point. They have to feel confident. Denver's got to feel, again, confident to a point of saying we have done it before. So there's there's something behind there. But also from a Lakers standpoint, you say they've done it. So that we're not going to be sitting down taking them easy here. They're going to they're gonna come out and try and close it out in game five for sure. Uh, but it, it was an interesting game. I watched it last night. Uh, some phenomenal play by a variety of players. Uh uh, none probably better than our Canadian, really. And it's positive. I thought you were going to queue up the. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, no, Jamal Murray played outstanding. Actually, he played, I think he finished with 37. But you and I, uh, here we go. This is the play we we're talking about. This is what we're talking about <laughs> here. Because we uh, got to see this. Wow. Murray is attacking. Look at him go up. No, I'm not going to dunk. Not going to use with my left, but the oh. English. Off wow. the glass, when Murray is attacking off of the pick and roll, this team is dangerous. We know about Joker and his passing ability. But I mean, look Murray at this. Loosens up the defense for everyone it's, else, and he's a great finisher. It might be the By best the way, finish I've ever seen in terms of body contortionism and like. Oh, so the obvious comparison is the Jordan one, right? Right. Like the, where he go, but Jordan, first of all, there was nobody in front of him. Jordan just switched hands in the air just to make it just more difficult it. on himself. Right. There was nobody in front of him. Uh, that that was on LeBron James. <laughs> that was, right? That's no, and LeBron James is up there trying to blo- – when LeBron James commits to trying to block your shot, he goes 100%. There's no – he doesn't oh, yeah. do anything half, half-assed. Like if, he, if LeBron James feels like he's going to get dunked on, he'll just sort of back away and let the guy do it. But when he goes up to contest you – he usually wins, so that was that. That's what made that even more impressive, and just the ability to go under the basket with two. Murray's got some hops. Murray What's impressive, hops. like even like again the Jordan one, he was more like kind of almost head on the basket where he's like, oh, we go on one side and comes the other side. Murray's yeah, clearly on the left side of the basket and has to two hand bring it down, and if he doesn't even get that spin properly, the ball has no chance to get in. I, I was surprised. Even watching in slow motion, I'm like, ah, there's no way. There's, there's just <laughs> doesn't make – the physics doesn't line up as to how this ball is going to go in. It was amazing. Now, we in terms of finishes uh, in league history, 
I'd have to I'd have to just like YouTube some clips and see if we, you know the greatest finishes in history. But playoffs, that's uh, got to be that's up there. That's probably number one in terms of uh, in terms of what I've seen. That's what a finish. And that the, the body control and the uh, the even even the the the, the moment of the game. There was a big basket for them at that particular time. So uh, you and I talked yesterday about we down. To see. we're gonna we're gonna do that. You're gonna find the clips. We're gonna find the ten greatest finishes of basketball clips. And we're going to put them in order. I mean, two come to mind right away. The um, Dr. J. From behind the basket. The basket. Hand. Yeah. yeah. Magic. Uh, sorry, not magic. Uh, Jordan, that Jordan move was, was pretty spectacular anyway you slice it. At the time. Uh, but, but there were a couple of alley-oops. Like uh, DeAndre Jordan dunking on Brandon Knight and just ending his life, really. That was... That's... That's on every okay, don't give away what seen. the next episode is going to be or when we do the episode. Don't give it all away. We'll put it all together. <laughs> well, those uh, are three. We'll, uh, okay. we'll leave seven to seven for mystery. All right. Uh, so yeah, big uh, big uh, win for the Lakers. I think I think the Heat and the Celtics are tonight. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so the the Heat can end can that series and That's the right. way they're playing. It's going the Celtics are, are are in tough, but man, I wouldn't. I would not count out the Celtics. I would not count out the Celtics. They're they're a gritty starting five. In fact, I think their starting five is better than the Heat's starting five. Uh, they're well coached. Brad Stevens is one of the best coaches in the NBA. They're just gritty. They're gritty. You can't keep them out. But Miami's just as gritty, so that's what makes them so tough. But uh, Bam Adebayo is a budding star. They talked about this yesterday at halftime of the game uh, about how he's uh, his whole game has just improved over the course of one season. Like he's developed a, a mini jump shot. He's uh, aggressive. John Calipari called him a point center where the ball starts with him now. Like the, the, the point guard will bring up the ball, give it to, to Bam, but the offense starts once he gets into his hands. I've never I've never seen that. Like Nikola Jokic is probably a close point center that you'll find in the NBA. Arvidas Sabonis comes to mind if you're talking about uh, players in, in history who've who've been that like point guard from the center position where the ball they get the ball and they direct the offense. We're seeing a little bit of that with Bam out of bio. So Amazing stuff. Ah, two well-coached teams. Who, who who you got tonight? Do you have a gut feeling? Have you watched any of the series? The Heat again. We talked about it yesterday. You like the to Heat. me? I I like the style of the Heat. They they're just so fast. It's very college feel to me, where it's just constant movement and, until somebody's ankles get broken, gets left behind, and the guy has an open shot, and it's just yep. constant. And what impressed me was that. The Celtics sort of had that feel against the Raptors. I felt like they they were going a lot more than the Raptors were. So I felt the young spryness of the Celtics team. And then I watched the Heat doing the exact same thing to the Celtics. And that's where I was like, wow, like they're they're on another level in terms of their movement, balls, uh, ball movement, uh, passes, the 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 constant speed of the game that they play with. And that's what's really stood out to me. And uh, I would have been curious to see how the Raptors would have held up, but. Um, this series is is fairly fun to watch because both teams have that ability, but the Heat just seem to be on a different level. And their shooting ability in um, any situation, uh, they're fearless. They're just taking these shots, and they're nailing them. And it's, well, they, it's impressive. Well, the Heat, yeah, the Heat, they play a, a ball movement type style offense, and and uh, towards the end of their shot clock, that's when they, they turn to, this, to the screen and roll. The, the Celtics are a weird offense. You, you, they do a lot of screen and roll, but it's... It's not with their big guy and the point guard, which is typically what you see in the NBA. The big guy comes to set the screen, and then he rolls to the basket. Well, the Celtics do their screen and roll with their point guard and their off guard. So that leaves a lot more creativity because the off guard, well, their off guards are big. Like Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown are big boys. So Tatum's when huge. they drive to the hoop, it's there's, they're going aggressive. So it's a it's a little different style offense. I think Miami's got the horses to, to guard that kind of offense. So I think we're seeing that. Uh, in the mix, but Eric Spolstra, top five coach, and like you said, it, they're fun to watch because there's a lot of ball movement. They move around a lot, a lot like the Raptors. The uh, Nick Nurse and the success with the Raptors last year and most of this year was because the ball, the ball whistles, like the ball moves around, mm-hmm. and uh, and it forces the defense to move, and it makes the defense work harder. So, uh, good good observation on your part. I know you're not a huge basketball guy from an X's and O standpoint, right. but you. As, a, as an athlete and as a guy who coaches football and a lot of X's and O's, I think you can appreciate those style of offenses. So good on you for that observation. And 
forgive me. I don't, I don't know podcast etiquette. I have, we don't have a, a certainly a, a textbook to read from, but I'm drinking some protein shake while we, while we talk, because as soon as we're done this show, I got a jet I'm trying to kill two birds with one stone here. So forgive me if it's gross, just say it, just say, look, it's gross. I don't want to see you drinking your protein shake. Um, I could turn my head. I could see it as one thing. Uh, actually I got to get the sound <laughs> clip. Uh, we had uh, our uh, unofficial producer mic'd up at one point, uh, Mr. Pignette, and he <laughs> he was drinking his coffee or something, and we got <laughs> such an audio of his no, you mentioned this of yesterday. his swallow that it's it's comical, <laughs> and uh, I made like a clip of it as well. So I'm like, I got to make it into the, the sound bite of somewhere so I can kind of call upon it at any given time. Um, <laughs> but it's. Uh, it's phenomenal. I'll find it in a second. But um, Brock, we had a question for. Uh, we'll just change gears. So that's the NBA. The NBA that could be the series. Both series could be over by Sunday. Um, we had a question on our on our Facebook page just as you were setting up for today's show from Fred Duquette. Uh, he he wanted to know with. Uh, I don't have the question exactly in front of me, but I remember it. He wanted to know that with uh, college football starting this weekend and and uh, college basketball starting in November, are students back to school in the in the states uh um, he's asking you directly he, he, he he's asking me directly yeah um from a general population i think they've started like i know uh, that's a good question freddie from a general population student population i'm not 100 percent sure i don't think they're all back I do not think the general population is back. Athletes are, obviously. Um, even schools like Colgate. I got a kid that's down there right now. They're not playing this year, but they're, they've been down. They are now training. They've been through quarantine. Uh, there's a couple of dorms that were designed for the quarantine process, and even the president of the university was quarantined in that dorm for two weeks. Um but I don't know if the actual overall general population for all schools are back. I think it, a lot of it's state determined as well. So mm -hmm. it depends yeah. on the rules within uh, each individual state. But uh, that being said, college football is back. Um, and I am pumped. Who do we got? Who do we got? SEC on CBS, I cannot get enough of this theme song. It gets me excited every single time. We got Florida. The SEC is back, okay? College football's been back for a couple weeks. But when you have the ACC, you got Clemson. You know, they got Notre Dame for a year. There's maybe Miami. Um, you know, Big 12's been playing, which is not too, too bad. But you don't get a lot of coverage necessarily up here. Big 10 will be back in October. But the SEC, which is the, the cream of the crop, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinion, is back this weekend. Normally, they do... Um, non-conference play between now and when it would have started so now conference play starts and it's all only conference play moving forward uh but uh the games for you guys to watch this week um noon you got florida number five ranked florida at ole miss ole miss is going to be wearing their baby blue uniforms which actually kind of look cool but uh hopefully we spoil that party uh, Kentucky, number 23 at Auburn, who's number eight. Uh, Kentucky's been um, progressive, progressing very nicely over the last little while. They've actually beat Florida within the last couple of years, a uh, thing they hadn't done for 25 years previous to that. Yeah, not um, a traditional football uh, program there, right? It's, like it's more basketball. basketball. Hit, you know? yeah. um, well, we had um, a Kentucky Wildcat on our show as a baseball player as well. Yep. Um, and, uh, but anyway, uh, the football team is doing their best to, uh, again, keep competitive and progress. And now they're ranked in the top 25, basically preseason. So I'm curious to see how that's going to go, but that's at noon as well. Um, we have a three 30 game that is uh, a big 12 game, West Virginia at Oklahoma state. The reason that's interesting is that, uh, there's a kid from Ottawa. Uh, Kenny Mesador, who's a defensive end for West Virginia, who's been playing. And um, so I'm curious to see how he does. And then obviously the other Canadian is Chubba Hubbard, who's the running back and Heisman hopeful out of uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, he's a West um, uh, West kid from uh, Vancouver area, uh, but also a very big uh, uh, proponent of the uh, – the, 
don't know what to say. It's not the Black Lives Matter, but it's the, uh, um, help me out here, Pep. What is it? The I'm, I'm not familiar with what he's, what yeah, he's, what he, like uh, the, the advocacy, the advocacy for, you know, the racism and the, the Equ- for equality, general equality. equality and, and yeah, you know, not directly black lives matter, but all that kind of stuff. And he had that issue with his coach where his coach had tweeted something out or was wearing a t-shirt that was supporting a politician that wasn't, uh, or a company that wasn't, uh, uh, in favor of equality. And uh, that made, you know, Twitter headlines and stuff. And then they came out with that uh, real weird apology with him and his coach. And I, uh, I think he, he played the game at that point, but he's also been a, a pretty big advocate for everything else and, and getting the players in the, in the Big 12 and stuff together to sort of show their unity and, the, and uh, push the envelope a little bit. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, good Canadian. Uh, hopefully he has a really good season. And maybe he gets invited to New York if and when the uh, Heisman Trophy gets uh, awarded. 7.30, you got uh, Florida State at Miami. Miami's ranked 12. Florida State is unranked. But anytime you get those uh, battles of the state of Florida, they're, they get pretty heated. Um, so Not a fan be, of uh, Florida State. <clears throat> no, God, no. Me or no. you? Me. Oh, well, Plus, hey. Both of us, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not, I never have been. Yeah. No, I, I'll take Miami over Florida State any day. Um. And then the other one would be uh, Tennessee, who's actually ranked 16 this year against South Carolina. And South Carolina is notorious for putting up fights in. Um, uh, what's the. You shared the YouTube video of of uh, the Washington State quarterback who uh, committed suicide. What's his name again? Yeah. Helinski. Oh, yes. Oh, man. It was, a, it was a reporter out of Seattle who actually sent me the link. Uh, well, great story. I'd have to look it up and, and yeah. share it on the page. I think again. it's great story. It's Helinski or I'm, I'm making a bad name. Anyway, Tyler, Helin- Tyler Helinski, maybe, maybe, but his brother, his younger brother is the starting quarterback for South Carolina. Um, oh, awesome. awesome. Yeah. And he was a freshman last year and came in and played some pretty big games. So I think he's got the starting role this year. So again, I'm again, with those kind of stories, I'd love to follow it and see, you know, how he does. And, and uh, um, you know, I know that he keeps a lot of the same traditions. I think he wears the same number his brother did and stuff yeah. too. So, um, anyway, that's, uh, that's the other one at seven 30 to watch other just than that. Not, uh, not to get too far off topic with college football, but just a big shout out to Dak Prescott and Hayden Hurst who are, uh, saw that who, well, Dak Prescott for sure. He's come out and just even just describe some of the issues he's had in terms of mental health and, uh, and it takes a lot of courage and Hayden Hurst, I think has a suicide prevention him and his mother um, have a him and his foundation. mother started a program i mean that's that's awesome stuff and they're collaborating together and it's there was a they had a moment after the the, the last game that they played against each other which was you know which was a, a really tight game but anyway uh along the lines of the the, uh, the Halinski family and uh, I, now now you got me wanting to watch and root for the, for that team sorry who who's he uh, quarterback in for south carolina south carolina gamecocks the gamecocks yeah i'm going to be rooting for them yeah, they're they're a fun team to watch. Uh, they got uh, Muschamp, I think, is still their their coach, who's an old Florida coach as well. So uh, it seems like a lot of Florida coaches have gone to South Carolina. At least two of them. Um, anyway, yeah, it it should be interesting. Brock, Brock just for our uh, listeners who don't follow college football, and I I don't follow it as closely as I'd like to. Just how many? So we, you talk about the these big conferences that may not make a lot of sense to some people who are listening, but so like a big conference has how many teams in it? A big, but big conference, I mean the the schools that generate the most talent and whatnot. Like how many teams are in the ACC, for example, than the SEC? Uh, it varies, but uh, you can have. I mean, the names don't even correspond anymore because I think the Big Ten now has twelve teams. I think the Big Twelve has ten teams. I think the SEC has maybe fourteen teams. Uh, anyway, there's five. There's there's five power. They call it the Power Five conferences in college football, which are the the bigger revenue generating um, teams uh, leagues. So you got the Big Ten, which is like Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, those kind of guys. The old school. They like the you know hard nose run the ball. Big Twelve is like the Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, Baylor, all those kind of teams out that area. You got the uh, the SEC, which again is is 
the one that I follow the most, which is, again, you have the East and West, but you got your Florida, your Georgia, uh, Kentucky's, Tennessee's in the East, and the West is LSU, Bama, Auburn. Uh, you know, you can kind of go on for there. but The, who, the who's who of college football the it's last a, decade, it's, really. It's a bit of a mecca in that area, yeah. and the football is as close to pro as you'll get. Like, a lot of these are. Like, there's you have your good teams in each division, but, uh, you know, the SEC is – you know, come out on top more often than not. Uh, the ACC is another one, which is, is Clemson. Uh, now Notre Dame is in there right now. Notre Dame is generally a uh, uh, an independent team. So they have no affiliation to a conference usually, and they just make their schedule based on every other team's non-conference play. So they'll make those schedules. Wow. And they have their own TV rights with NBC, all that kind of stuff. So they feel like they're too good for conferences. So this year they've was They've had that different. for years, eh? Oh, forever. Yeah. But this is the, you know, this was the year where all the conferences said we're only playing in conference games. So Notre Dame either didn't play because they didn't have anybody to play against who would play non-conference or join a conference. So they joined the ACC this year, which is probably, uh, I would say, the weakest out of the five. You know? And uh, so that's kind of a... Very interesting. Yeah, that's... But then from the ACC standpoint, they, they let them in for one year, which I would have loved to see them say, hey... No, you sit on the sidelines or sign Forget like a five-year deal with us where you say, look, Notre Dame's part of the ACC for the next five years. Um, and then sort of, you know, uh, the ACC could capitalize on some of that revenue as well. But anyway, <clears throat> they're in the ACC. So, just to put that in perspective, how so that's – you've named off five conferences. Let's say there's, uh, there's 10 teams in every conference just on average. That's 50 teams. That's already 18 teams more than the NFL has altogether. You haven't even mentioned some of the smaller schools. How many how many schools compete in college football uh, approximately? Uh, if you go across the the division, so you have the the top the um, uh, the FBS, so the football bowl series, which is now it used to be called Division One. FBS is so if you like those power fives and then you have the other ones like the WAC and the MAC and all that kind of stuff where if you win a certain amount of games, it's got to be at least six to be considered for a bowl game. And then they sort of plug you into all these different bowls. And then, you know, there's obviously that, that playoff series and stuff, but that FBS is the, the top. And then you have the FCS, which is a one double A, which is what um, like Colgate was part of that. Um, some of those schools where the attendance is not big enough to be in a division one. So it was a lot of it was based on attendance. And then this one actually doesn't have bowls. You actually have a championship series. So you have the playoffs and it goes right to the championship game and they win. And then, excuse me, then you have division two and division three. So if you put them all together, you're 300 plus schools. Easy. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. And to determine a, a, a final champion out of all those schools is pretty wild stuff. So I think that's that's what makes the uh, the college football such a unique uh, sport in itself. Because, I mean, even college basketball has, the, has obviously the March Madness tournament. That's that's great. But their their regular season is very similar to what a regular season would be uh, in, in the pros, right? Like you're... If your if your record is just good enough, you can at least qualify for the for the big dance, which is sixty four teams. Uh, but and then if you can win your you can win your conference tournament, you get an automatic bid, no matter how badly you played all year. So, like it does resemble the pros a little bit more than college football does in terms of the in terms right. of the format. So that's why college football is so unique in that sense. And uh, one loss, like you said, one loss in the year can can set you basically kick you out of the playoffs essentially right in college football so yeah you could lose out a shot to to win the whole thing if you lose one game depending on what everybody else does and because it's so analytical in terms of um how you get in and how you get ranked because the ranking obviously it it, it has a lot of weight you know if you're ranked in the top four then you'll get into that that uh that four uh, four team semifinal but in order to get ranked, you need to beat opponents that are good and beat them by a good amount, um, show on the field, and then it's it's people's judgment. It, it's, uh, you know, there is some mathematical um, behind-the-scenes type stuff where they take strength of schedule, all kind of stuff. So there's a huge formula that's, you know, that spits out a certain rating, but it's also coaches, it's press, it's everything. It's who's putting the best product on the field and who is impressing people on the field. And you got to play the right people and – and because of that, that's what, that's why I love 
college football more than any other sport is because I'm a huge Florida Gator fan, but I can watch uh, a Notre Dame game with as much invested in that game as I would if I was watching Florida play somebody else because maybe I need Notre Dame to lose for Florida to jump them in the polls. So, you know, it's uh, all those other games outside of the your actual team matter where in the NFL and stuff like that until later in the season where you're kind of like, well, I need some help to squeak in. For the most part, you control your own destiny. But uh, in college football, you still you need a lot more help. And every every week is kind of do or die. It's great. It'll it'll never happen. But could you imagine if the NFL adopted that from the, the team's previous uh, standing from the year before and they, they created a ranking and uh, uh, losses to weaker teams meant a little more or meant a little less. That would be kind of a cool thing. You, you'll be... never see it. But, I mean, I think that would be kind of a, a neat concept to have, uh, you know, if you beat the Dolphins twice a year, it means a little bit less than if you're beating the Patriots twice a year. I, I don't Just food for thought for NFL fans. And uh, uh, that, that's what makes college football so cool, I think. Like you said, you know, you don't have to wait till the end of the NFL season for these, uh, you, know, the, you know, where you're counting on someone else to beat somebody or you control your own destiny for the most of the year. Where in the in college football, every week you're watching somebody in your conference play a big game when you're not playing. So yeah, neat stuff, neat stuff. I was getting some emails cool. there. We got uh, our, uh, I think I told, well, I told you yesterday, but our nonprofit foundation, the Football Forward nonprofit that was now registered, has received our first grant to run a uh, non-contact, safe social distancing um, camp sort of thing for uh, underprivileged youth in the area. And uh, we just got the okay to uh, use TD Place. So we'll be doing that for Saturdays in October from 7.30, 9.30 in the morning. Um, so we're going to be, uh, well, now i got to line up the coaches. i got to get the... Uh, the kids registered, all that kind of stuff. And uh, anyway, so things are moving, but uh, um, yeah, we're pretty pumped about it. And we get a chance to, to help a bunch of kids who uh, wouldn't otherwise get a chance to be on the football field right now. And it's a, it's a Red Cross grant uh, that's COVID related. And, um, you know, a lot of it has to do with mental health. I mean, we talked about that a couple of times already today in the show, but um, mental health of, uh, of kids that normally play sports who can't right now, that's, it's pretty tough when you're, you're trying to, and I mean, you can speak to it directly where, um, you know, getting out and being active and being around some people and, um, you know, it, it, it definitely helps your mental state. And, uh, unfortunately there's a lot of, uh, clubs in the area of Ottawa football clubs that just don't have the means to run those programs right now. There's three of them that do, but they're all, uh, the affluent sort of neighborhoods and, and with a lot of parent involvement and volunteers and, and, uh, financial support. So what we're trying to do is, is cater to the rest of them to say, you know what, here's a bit of an outlet. At least it's a month. You get four practices with us. Uh, with some good coaches, we'll get some of your local coaches involved as well to kind of create those uh, those uh, relationships. But uh, but let's get you out, let's get you running around, and and you know hopefully uh, improve your uh, mental state. Hey, all I can say is congratulations. That's uh, uh, that's a wonderful thing you're doing for the for inter- for kids who don't have that opportunity. Uh, but inside TD Place is a whole other ball game too. Like that's a pretty cool experience. Oh yeah. So yeah. that's a cool experience for any any kid, let alone somebody who may not have the opportunity to play in these camps. So very very good on you and on your your business partner Scott Endicott. And uh, I know you have our uh, another mutual friend of all of ours, Carl Tolmy, who comes out and uh, and helps with the with the, everything with the processes and uh, and the coaching and. You know, some of the names on your coaching list are the who's who of football in the Ottawa region. So any kids listening, I highly, highly recommend uh, the CFI Institute and that's that scouting combine. Uh, of course, Brock, you'll share stuff with me on Facebook and I'll gladly oh, share it on main page. But congratulations to both you guys. I appreciate it. Um, wow. Awesome stuff. Yeah, you talk about uh, you talk about mental health. I, I got an email this morning, actually, from a friend I'm I, just to certainly everything has to remain anonymous but you know we were just going some back and forth and you know how are you how's life all good how's work how's good she's uh, she works um in the hospital and uh you know i said how's things going and she said you know this has taken such a toll on people's mental health 
more even more so than COVID. Like she said, there's a there's a, a dude who was in you know admitted probably two months ago, uh, just going crazy at home, not unable to work, and uh, and and he's a grown man by himself. And basically, every day since he's been admitted, every single day, think about this, for two straight months, he's attempted suicide wow. within, his, within his room, anything he can do. So he's, you know, you name it, he's trying it. This is every single day. <laughs> so, you know, this, obviously that's an extreme case, but <clears throat> on a lesser scale, when we talk about, I don't want to get into this, this is nothing to do with sports, but just, just to sort of, take what you mentioned about the kids and mental health to another level here. You know, there's the argument about sending the kids back to school with COVID and all this. And I, I get it. I get the concerns as from parents. Believe me, I get it. Like I, I don't really have an opinion either way because I don't have kids, but I have nieces and nephews and it's, it's really important for kids to be with uh, around other kids. Now, on, on top of each other, I, I mean, I, like, I, don't, I would rather they don't play wrestle and, uh, you know, and do all the uh, rough housing that kids tend to do. But to be surrounded by kids and be, to be surrounded by your friends and interact, it's super important to our development. I mean, when I think of high school, I don't think about classroom stuff. Bored the hell out of me. I think about spending time with my buds, recess, sports, uh, the classes I did enjoy, which were very few other than phys ed. And a couple of my favorite teachers. I, that, that was the, the that was secondary. What I remember from high school and elementary school was spending time with my friends. So, it's a vital component to like a child's development. And so, if you're very anti, you know, sending the kids back to school, you have there's a whole other perspective. And COVID, we have to learn to live with this thing. So, you know, if there's an if there's an outbreak, of course, I'm all for closing down. I'm all for playing safe. But, I mean. They're going back to school because they, they, they kind of have to. Like it's it's part of a, a child's development. So it's it's such a tough spot. I wouldn't want to be the person making these decisions personally. Again, I'm just an armchair guy who uh, who has an opinion sitting from my from my living room. But can't be easy for parents. Certainly can't be easy for kids who have mental health issues stuck at home and God forbid stuck at home in a, in an abusive environment with parents or siblings or both. I mean, you don't. You just don't know. Like we, we always hear the best case scenario. There's kids out there whose their home is probably the worst place they should be. So it's wild. Yeah. Anyway. Well, with the new uh, out like, Saturday morning, that's that's yeah. good. Good on you guys. You know. Well, yeah. Today, this morning, it was taking the kids to school, walking them to school, and then getting to the school, and both of them saying, "Forgot my mask." <laughs> All right. Uh, Walk back. Neighbors going, isn't the school that way? I'm like, yeah. When they don't forget their ma- when they don't remember their mask, we got to go home and get them. So they were late. And just something else you got to remember. And and uh, but yeah, I, I mean the kids, whatever. They don't like the homework and stuff, but some structure in their life too. Like for the longest time, it was just yeah. every day was like a Saturday. You just kind of it just yeah. melts into one or the other. And anyway, yeah, it's it's yeah. good for them even if they don't. Uh, like I'm an like adult it. and I've I've been still off work waiting to get a recall from work for this is going to be six months. So I'm, I'm concerned about how I'm, I'm going to be able to, to go back to work and, and not burn out within the first week, just not having worked. Of course, I've, like you said, I've been active and trying to maintain some regular schedule of leaving the house, but I couldn't imagine if I was a kid off school for seven, eight, nine months and then having to go back. Like that's tough. But anyway, hey, you've been uh, off school for how many years and you gone back? <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh I, I happen to like the courses I'm taking. Hey, listen but, uh, to this. <laughs> Ready? Oh, is that Mike Pignett? Oh. <laughs> That's the one that... That uh, is uh, Brock's brother-in-law taking a sip of water? <laughs> on On the air? On air? I guess we were, it was just, it was a video. I forget, we were doing something. We were do, getting ready for the Jays one. And uh, so I went to edit the, the film after. And uh, I got I remember that, that actually. Like, oh, my goodness. I think I remember logging on and you guys had, you guys were on and we were preparing. Usually, well, before we start, the show starts, brought the three of us kind of Brock fixes our little image into a little box. And, and then I just remember, I didn't, I couldn't see him, but I just heard a gulp and I'm like, oh, okay, he's drinking. <laughs> He's drinking, drinking some coffee. That's cool. <laughs> I 
I clipped that uh, thing and I sent it to him, and he was just like, he's like, I can't. He's like, it it irks me. Like it gives me. He's just so upset about it. It's wonderful. Awesome. Uh, just we're, we're at. I actually have my stopwatch here, so we're at thirty two right minutes. Not bad. We still want to talk a little bit of football and, and just touch on the Jays, but I did want to say uh, good stuff this weekend. You you did the rinks and links. Yeah, rinks, rinks and, and links. links. I got I so survived it, it. In two minutes or less, how to go? Uh, who was involved? <clears throat> what was it for? Hey, uh, rinks and links. It's uh, with Clubby G. They raise money for a variety of different charities. This is something that was put on. Uh, it was supposed to be in like March. Got pushed back a bunch of times. Uh, our team, myself, uh, Phil Homewood, big Philly, came down from Toronto. Big so Phil. did so did Mike Dean, uh, Dan Duran, Pat Collins, Gordon McGilvery, Dave Enner, Scott Endicott. That was our eight, um, and we did the three hockey games. Then we did the the the, um, the golf after, and uh, I played goalie for the first time. We played three games. We won the first one three to two. A little nervous, a little whatever. Not too too bad. Uh, the second game we finished a one one tie. And in there, if you if our team takes a penalty, it's a penalty shot for the other team. And so there's a couple during the game. I made a couple of saves. I, f- I felt pretty confident. And then they called a penalty shot with 0.9 seconds left in the game at a 1-1 tie. And uh, I was able to uh, withheld Make that save. and say, you know what, we, we got away with the tie. And then uh, the third game came out, and I think all of our bodies just broke, and it was like seven to one. Uh, Mike Dean was getting chirpy with somebody, and I just felt I was like, you know what? We quit with four minutes left. We're like, you you win, that's fine. We got to go to golf, you shower, and whatever. So before this gets out of hand, you guys have the win. There's no point differential needed, sort of thing. So um, and by that time, I think none of us had had breakfast. We're like, we need to go eat and whatever. So <laughs> we got out of crew? there. But my God, <clears throat> yeah, it was it, it was. It was a different setup because of COVID. We did it last year. I did it with a, a, a little bit of a different group, but it was so much better last year from a socialization standpoint. So guys like Gord, who I, haven't see, I don't see every day, and Pat Collins, and you know, uh, even Diener and Phil and stuff. And you say you come down. Last year, you have your hockey games, but sometime in between two hockey games, there's like an hour and a half break. You would go upstairs to the to the buffet and they'd have a breakfast buffet. Perfect. You're sitting around socializing. Great. Play your hockey, go to the the golf course, and everybody's there at the same time. There's a huge barbecue, and you're sitting around, have a beer, have a burger, whatever. And then you all shotgun start, and then at the end of it, there's a huge supper where you're all sitting around. Again, you're you know half in the bag, but you're just socializing, whatever. This year, there was nothing. There was none of those meals. It was a box lunch at the golf course, which was a a sandwich and a beer, and they gave you like a Titleist hat. But, uh, I mean, it was fun. But that aspect of it, which is really what uh, we wanted to do, wasn't part of it. So unfortunately, COVID did have an effect on it. We ended up going to the restaurant after and had a chance to catch up with some of it. But guys like Gord had to go home. And, you know, so I missed out on some of the time that I would have yeah. liked to have spent with those guys. But otherwise, hopefully it's back next year and we'll, we'll look to do it again. You know, by the same token, like uh, some of these uh, softball leagues that I play in over the course of the summer, I enjoy softball. I play in a sort of non-competitive league at the RA, then a little bit more of a competitive league out in Canada, which is uh, harder throwing. Um, they released the rules and regulations for COVID, and it was like, I only come out to play softball to hang out with my pals and have beer after or during. Uh, I don't do it for, <laughs> to, the, softball. Uh, for, for the softball, <laughs> certainly not the RA center anyways. Uh, no offense, RA. It's a fun, it's a fun league, but I, I play to to have drinks and and uh, have a good time on the patio before and after. Um, but the rules are like, okay, the dugouts are off off limit. Uh, if you're standing with your with your team, uh, you know, by the bench, you're to you're to stand at a certain distance from each other. Everyone has to bring their own bat. You can't hang out before or after the game. You have to show up like within five minutes of the game, and then when the game's over, you you disperse. Like the whole thing was just bizarro world. So, I mean, yeah, I, I sympathize with that, the rinks and links, and how it was probably a lot more entertaining last year. Um, one, one quick plug, I'm running, well, I'm walking with a group of uh, individuals this Sunday. It's the, the Run for Women, uh, Raise Awareness for Women's Mental Health. Uh, the, uh, my team, the Royal Rumblers, uh, it's, the money goes to the Royal Ottawa. Uh, if you want to donate, you can just go on to runforwomen.ca and uh, look up either my first and last name or our team name, the Royal Rumblers. And you can, if you want to give any money at all, 
we've reached our goal, but obviously it's always good to exceed it. Yeah. Um, any money you can offer up would be lovely. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great cause, and my friend Heather Brown is our team captain, and she's uh, she does such wonderful work for the Royal. Uh, and then I think we have a couple of sort of Royal Royal Ottawa bigwigs on our team. So anyway, it'd be if you can donate, great. If not, I totally understand. Times are tough now with COVID. I mean, uh, uh, Lord knows I'm penny pinching every every second I can because I have to. But yeah, all right. I sh- we should probably get back to sports. A couple more things we want to talk about. Jay's baby. Whoop, whoop. Jay's clinched. I gotta get to my in my air horn. Get that horn. <laughs> Jay's clinching a playoff berth. Hey, listen, Ryu pitched a hell of a game last night. He's a bona fide ace. We discussed it when they when they picked him up. He some uh, has say he every pitched, pitch. Some say he pitched Ryu well. Oh no, 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 oh, okay. no, 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 no. They like it, no. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Ryu has, I think he throws like six different pitches, and he can throw them anywhere in the zone. It's he's remarkable. I when they signed him, I'm like that. This is he is their ace. And then with Nate Pearson coming up in the next couple of years, who actually he, by the looks of things, he's going to be on their playoff roster coming out of the pen. Saw that. Um, the Jays are young. They're going to make a lot of mistakes. When they make mistakes, it's frustrating. When they sometimes when they make mistakes, they lose to twenty to two. But when they're when they're playing fun and loose. It could be the complete reverse. They, I can't tell you how many games they've won this year. 10 to 1, 12 to 1, 50. Mm. So, uh, and Guerrero hit a home run last night. He was 4 for 4 the other night, 3 for 4 the other night. Uh, so he's he's on a tear at the right time. And he was kind of the X factor. Biggio has been consistent all year. Bichette has been consistent all year. Guerrero's been the guy who kind of, you know, we're not like, he needs to get going here. Defensively, he's not great. But as long as he could bring a bat, you can make, you can, you can accept some of the defensive stuff. Um, Anyway, your thoughts. I mean, I'm super jacked. Your thoughts. I'm pumped. And the first series, I think, is is the best of three. Is that what it is? Best of three against Tampa Bay if it, if we were to start tomorrow, which it looks like it's going to be Tampa Bay. I mean, we haven't had a lot of luck against Tampa Bay this year. Uh, but in a three-game series, anything can happen. So, uh, yay. I'm excited. I mean, the kids are excited. They, you know, the celebration they had last night was kind of cool to see. And I think that... I feel like there's a lot of stress that was released. Like maybe after when they're sure. losing six, they think, you know what? We started off pretty well, and now we're risking maybe not making it or whatever, clinching it and saying we're in. Now anything can happen. I think now, um, you know, I think they get a little bit looser, which would be nice. And uh, yeah. I'm excited to see what they do. It was fun. They were showing uh, – did you see the the whole game last night where they, were, they had pictures of the young Jays, the junior Jays, whatever they called them? Yeah, you yeah. See that? And then yeah, the, the they're like, "Yeah, I wonder which one this is." And then they zoom in on the ground, like, and they're they're laughing. They're like, "He still looks the same." And this, yeah. anyway, I was like, eh, "Give the kid a break." But uh, the thing, the thing with Tampa Bay though is that they played Tampa early in the season. I think it was the first four four out of the first six games yeah. were Tampa or something like that. More than that, and uh, and they were all one run games. I mean, I remember they lost a couple in extra innings with a stupid extra inning rule. I mean, I I don't personally like it, but. Um, that I mean, for me, that's those are one-run games early in the season. You haven't seen them since. You're a little bit of a different team now. Oh, hey, that's Tampa's good. Tampa throws pitching at you. They throw good, solid defense at you, and they got clutch hitting. Brandon Lau might be the most underrated player in the in the on uh, the majors. So like, it's going to be a very interesting series. That's assuming they play them. I mean, they're only two games behind the Yankees and Indians for for a, a higher seed. So. <clears throat> I personally wouldn't mind them playing the Rays. They they match up well. They were all one run games. Could have gone either way. Yeah, I mean it's a it's an opponent that they're familiar with. Yes. So there's benefit to that. You know exactly. And they didn't lose. You know by five runs every game. They were in it. So I'm sure you know looking back at tape and saying little things they could have done differently. You know I think uh, it, it was anybody's game. So. Um, yeah, I'm fine with them. I, again, at this point, I'm fine with them playing anybody. It's it's hey. a three-game series. I'm going to take the young, excited kids to go out and just play loose and have fun. And anything can happen at that point. And if their bats are on fire, then, you know what I mean? There's there's little that they, anybody can do to kind of stop them because they once sure. they get going, they're good. And we have to look at pitching is always pitching wins championships. And we look at the Jays. Uh, Ryu at the beginning of the year was – uh, maybe rusty, maybe uh, you know uh, it was. We were playing in Salem Field, the different surroundings took him. Took him about 
two starts to get really get a feel for for the American League. Well, look at him now. His last three starts, his ERA is is I think it's below two. Um, now he, you know you throw him as your ace to start game one. If he wins that first game, it's a best it's a best of it's a 50-50 chance after that. And now they're not throwing out Tanner Rourke and Chase Anderson now. They went out and they got Taiwan Walker, who's who's a solid legit number two. And Robbie Ray pitched extremely well the other night. He did. So th- now you're looking at <laughs> now you're looking at Ryu, Walker, and Ray. I mean, that's not bad. That is it's certainly a lot better than what they had going into the season. No, for sure. You know? I got to give you know the front office some kudos. They made some moves, and uh, I think overall it's it's all in the right direction. So yep. you know, again, when we lost, um, what was his name? Not Shapiro. What was the guy that uh, uh, Alex Anthopoulos? Anthropolis Shapiro. Yeah, I don't know what that he's is. A, a commercial he's a current guy now. Yeah, he's oh, he's the right. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> whatever. When yeah. he came over, you know, when we lost him, I thought, ah, that's probably not a good move. He was so young. He was an up-and-comer. He was built a team and just kind of wanted to keep it rolling. So mm-hmm. no matter who they brought in, you kind of had that, like, uh, here we go. Did we just take a step back, a huge step back? Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, they've exceeded my expectations so far. So They've been very, very good. Look, just a quick sort of – Alex Anthopoulos has done a great job with Atlanta. He's they he rebuilt them True. overnight and now now they're number one. They just I think they just won the uh, NL East. Was he not with LA for a while too? I don't think so. I think he went right to Atlanta. Um, okay. he may did he spend a year with LA? It's possible. I thought there's poss- a Dodger he, thing there. But um, you know he done he's done a great job at Atlanta. But we can't you can't take away from what uh, Shapiro and Atkins have done. You look at their in the Cleveland Indians. That's a product of what they what they've built there. And the Indians have had a lot of success over the years. Still, there's still guys from there currently contributing with the Indians who uh, who are Shapiro and Atkins guys. So they've done a great job there, and they've done a, a phenomenal job rebuilding the Jays. Like the Jays are, when Anthopoulos left, he he left the cupboards completely bare. Their minor league system was depleted. He dealt all the picks and all the young guys to go out and get Tulowitzki and uh, a few of the guys they picked up at the deadline and David Price. You know, and uh, and the, the cupboard was bare. So when Anthopolis left, you know, he didn't leave them with much. Uh, so they've done a great, great job of uh, replenishing the farm system. And now they've got young arms coming up who are going to be studs. Alex Manoa is one of them. Um, you know, we have the other kid who they got from the Stroman trade. We haven't even seen him yet. The, he's hyphenated the last name. I can't remember his name, but he's uh, he's the uh, you know, we got Anthony Kays, the kid who's playing with the Jays right now. But there's another kid. Who's like now? He's only twenty years old. Who's who's the was the real gem of that trade? We haven't even seen him yet. So they've done a really great job. Anyway, and Anthropolis was uh, the VP of baseball operations for the Dodgers from the he was. 2016 2017. Not a GM, Excellent. but okay. So anyway, right. exciting exciting news about the Jays. Uh, that's all I got for baseball. And uh, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of their chances of going forward, well. I say against the race, it's 50-50. And then after you get to pass round one, it's anybody's ballgame. And this year's this year's wacky. 60 games, nobody really knows who or what they are yet. So, you know, yep. the, this could be anybody's ballgame. Yeah, hey, something to cheer for, something to watch, yep. something to be excited about. So, Jays yep. in the playoffs. Uh, last time they were in the playoffs, it was pretty pumped. Now we don't get a chance to go down to any games or, or whatever. But uh, hopefully the... Uh, the excitement is still there. Saw fans and stuff. Like that. It's going to be different, but right, we're right. excited to see where that goes. I think we'll right. touch on football another time. Uh, we'll touch on the week two. Uh, I'd like to get somebody in. I have a uh, Jethro Constant, who's a good buddy of mine. Play football together. He's a physio guy, but he's got a lot of good takes on. I want to ask him about all these injuries. There's a lot of injuries in the NFL this that last week. There's ACLs all over the place. And Seven. Yeah, and I want to find out from him what his uh, expert feeling is on why this is happening. Why did it happen? Is it because there's no preseason? Is it because of a lack of um, weight training load that they're not used to? Or what is it? Uh, but I'd like to get his uh, his take on that, and we'll get into uh, our week two, uh, week three picks and stuff too. The 49ers actually filed a formal complaint, and I, I talked about this with either you or somebody else the other day, and I've mentioned it before. I, th- I think MetLife might be the worst turf in, in the NFL. They filed a formal complaint 
requesting an investigation on the quality of the turf at MetLife because there's no, I mean, it's, I just think some turfs are, are more conducive to these types of injuries than others. Uh, the, the lack of give, the, the, of course, these guys are so well conditioned, but the, the, the torque that they generate. That's in New York, right? That one? Yeah, MetLife is the New York Giants. And in a, the Niners, obviously, they lost Nick Bosa. They lost their other defensive tackle. Uh, Garoppolo sprained his ankle. So are cleats getting caught in the turf? Uh, like, are they wearing the proper cleats? Are, I mean, these guys are pros. For sure, you, 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 they have to be wearing the proper footwear, obviously, right? Like, they can't. Like, there's got to be turf shoes that are conducive to the position. I like, But what we're seeing now is just like it's an, an insane amount of ACL injuries. And so, yeah, the, the investigation did occur. The NFL, of course, they concluded that, you know, it's the, the turf is fine. But... There's something to be said when there's multiple teams have complained about MetLife uh, and it being the like not a great turf. Even some of the Jets players. Well, that's play it. There. The 49ers can complain all they want. They play there once every two years or once a year when they play the Giants. The, the Jets and the Giants are playing there a dozen games a season between the two of them. Those yeah. are, you start complaining. There's the, the the people who should be complaining and taking action yeah. because it's our home turf. We're getting hurt. We're not enjoying it. We're feeling the effects of this bad turf. Fucking change it. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, That's something we can ask. I was Jethro taking a look there I think quick. That, I wanted yeah. to make sure it wasn't the, the Niners playing the Giants because Barkley had gone out too, but that was in Chicago. So, um, but Brock, no, if we I'm wrap curious. if we wrap it up in the next fifty four seconds, we'll we'll be under fifty minutes. All right. Anything to That's add? pretty impressive. I don't think so. We're ready to get out of here. We're going out to Biggie. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. Yeah, everyday struggle. That's where we are. We're back uh, at work, some of them. Back at school, kids. Everyday struggle. Watch college football on Saturday. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> I don't want to live no more. Sometimes I hear death knocking at my front door. I'm living every day like a hustle. Another drug and juggle, another day, another struggle. I don't wanna live no more. Sometimes I hear death knocking at my front door. I'm living every day like a hustle. Another drug and juggle, another day, another struggle. I know how it feel to wake up fucked up. Pockets broke as hell, another rock to sell. People look at you like you's the user, selling drugs to all the losers. Mad Buddha abuser, but they don't know about your stress-filled day. Baby on the way, mad bills to pay. That's why you drink Tangerine, so you can reminisce and wish you wasn't living so devilish. Shit, I remember I was just like you, smoking blunts with my crew, flipping over 62s. Cause GED wasn't B-I-G, I got P-A-I. <laughs> you froze for a second. <laughs> that was so weird. Yeah. I'll take it. If it's after the done, we're done, I'll take it. Yeah. Whoa. Now you're choppy, and I guess that's uh, the podcast god saying, cut it, cut it out. You're done, boys. <laughs>